Hello everyone, and welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we have John. The Kings have finally clinched a postseason berth. Their first one in the last 16 years. It took them long enough. They could have done it a week ago. They waited until, what, what was it, Thursday, John? Wednesday. Wednesday. So they did it the day after we, uh, you know... Talked last, spoke last time. So, the Kings have officially ended their playoffs drought. Um, played the, they did that against Portland, beat Portland again on Friday, and then lost to the Spurs at home on Sunday. I was there. It was disappointing. Also, kind of like whatever at this point in the season feels like, but also a little disappointing. John, how you doing? Well, we were very disappointed last week that we couldn't talk about the clinch. Yeah. Yeah. We had to change our whole, our whole agenda, and now it's been about a week since the clinch, and that game on Sunday is kind of hard to ignore. Not for the game itself, but for a continuation of a couple of trends. Yeah. That are not good. That I think we'll delve dive into. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah. Tell me the trends. You want to dive right into it? Dude, dude. You want to talk about WrestleMania? Dude, WrestleMania. Let me just, uh, just a quick little. So, John, he was a big wrestle, like a WWE guy growing up. As a child. As a child. I was not, but I've recently started watching it. Not really watching it, but I'll like, catch a clip every now and then. I just feel like very like disappointed that I didn't have that in my childhood growing up. So I was like watching WrestleMania this weekend. And I should have, you know, should have just bought the tickets to SoFi and skipped the Kings game on Sunday. But do you have any insight on WrestleMania? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not. Uh, George Kittle was there. Of course he was. That he, guy's gonna. He uh, who'd he fight? Or he got? <laughs> he was like fighting someone. He was like on the sidelines that came out. Someone slapped him or something. He's a great football player, but damn, his personality is fit for. That's not, not, not a compliment. No, he's kind of, I find him a little... He's a little, he's a little forceful with his enthusiasm. Yeah. Did he, what was the, like, the award ceremony, he, like, sang a song? Did you see that? I don't know. At the, like, at the football award ceremony. All I want him to do is stay healthy. Yeah. We'll see. But I guess we should talk about the Kings. You sure? I don't know. Rey Mysterio fought his son in WrestleMania. That's quite the backstory. If anybody knows about the Dominic saga, uh, like 15, 20 years ago. You remember Eddie Guerrero? I don't remember what they're... I think he's like cousin. I think he's cousins with Chavo Guerrero. They're just, I think he might just be Dominic's godfather or something. There's some family connection there. And they just kept uh, ta- like uh, uh, dangling this idea that uh, Eddie Guerrero was going to tell Dominic his and Rey Mysterio's little secret. But then, uh, you know, tragically, Eddie Guerrero in real life passed away, and uh, I don't think we got any closure with that. But I was very surprised to find out that they uh, circled back, for lack of a better term, to that uh, storyline. And uh, I think I'm going to have to start... I think I'm just going to abandon the Kings whole thing. You just get straight into WWE again. Start a WordPress blog about WWE. Are there just, like... 
do they, like sports writers cover the WWE? It's not even a sport. It's a entertainment I, thing. I believe the Athletic posted something on Twitter about. Nobody reads it anyways. But but you know who who wrote it was Jason Jones, and he's the guy who was covering the Kings. Really? Yeah. He was like the I forget for what site, maybe Yahoo or something. Jason Jones, what was he on? He was some he was some beat writer for the Kings for a minute, and then he got like promoted um, in the Athletic or hired with the Athletic. One of the two, I don't know. But now, yeah, but That's he. Essentially but I saw right. like they posted something. It's like by Jason Jones. Like it's hilarious. I heard it was like one of the best WrestleManias ever. But they probably say that every year. Yeah, it's the greatest Super Bowl ever. <laughs> oh. Oh, we don't need to get into Super Bowls. <laughs> but WrestleMania went Hollywood again. I remember they, went, they did that. They, they reused the same phrase, WrestleMania goes Hollywood, because they went to L.A. I think they had it at the Staples Center like 20 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. What was the theme song this year? Uh, I don't know if they had one. They always just have a theme song for WWE, and uh, they had Peter Gabriel. <laughs> really? Like big time, like from like 1986 for WrestleMania in like 2005. Because they were going to Hollywood. It's like big time. Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah. I see. I don't think and they... the spot, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the spots for that WrestleMania, this is what makes it the best WrestleMania. They would do these like spots or commercials where they would have WWE superstars kind of like act out these iconic moments from the film. So they had like Booker T and Eddie Guerrero as like Samuel L. Jackson and um, whatchamacallit from John Travolta. Yeah, doing the whole like, say what one more time. <laughs> yeah. And then they had like, I think like, uh, might have been Triple H acting like Clint Eastwood or uh, Dirty Harry. Like, <laughs> Go ahead, make my day. They were great. They had all these commercials for it. They were really psyched me up as a child. <laughs> so. If it ain't that, it's very underwhelming. Uh, I mean, I didn't see any of that. I haven't finished it. I only started watching it on Sunday on Peacock. And I really got into it, so I'm going to be finishing finishing WrestleMania over the next day or two. But How long is it? It's going to uh, be a four-hour event. Yeah, it's probably like four hours with two days worth. So I, I'm probably like two or three hours in. Yeah, the national attention span's kind of declined, I think. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah. Wow, shoot. And in other big news in the sports world. Go ahead. <laughs> the Masters are on this week. The Masters. That makes me, that makes me kind of, uh, it's a bittersweet thing to hear. Because I don't watch golf, but I'm a big fan of Norm MacDonald. And, uh, he would do a live stream for the Masters. For like four or five years he did a live stream where he just, he'd have a couple people on. And they would just kind of banter during the during the, uh, the you know, I think it was, they'd do it on Saturday and Sunday because it goes Wednesday to Sunday right Thursday, uh, Thursday, to, Sunday. Thursday to Sunday yeah. did you wake up early and watch like the early coverage uh, I didn't so I'm a, I'm a new golfer I picked up golf during the pandemic and I really didn't start watching golf until last year because Tiger Woods was out basically my whole time I've been golfing because of his injury and, I mean, who doesn't love Tiger Woods? I mean, probably people, but... Generally regarded as the most handsome man in golf. Yes, that's what they say. But, like, sports fans, it's like, you kind of just like Tiger. He's one of the greatest golfers ever, if not the best. So, he came back last year, was like, and it was, like, his first golf event since 
I was almost dying in that car accident. I think it was like 500 days since like he made an event. So I'm like, oh, like I should watch this. And then he, I think he got on at like 6.30 one morning. I'm like, I'll wake up for Tiger. He's the only person I'll wake up for though early. I think one morning I like wake, woke up at 5 to watch him. in like one of the majors. I don't know. Just got to see him beat Jack Nicklaus's record. Man. Yeah. Tiger. Tiger Woods. So he'll be playing this week. He only plays four times a year now. So, well, one of the times. Considering the way we're talking about the WWE and the PGA Tour, I think we could do a live stream of the Masters. Might We might as well, at this point. The King's Talk uh, duo covers the Masters. Yeah. The, it's Sunday at Augusta. And the Azaleas are blooming. <laughs> right? Isn't that... The yeah, the Azaleas. The, uh... What else they got? Yeah, it's just Isn't like, all the whole, all the holes named after a flower? Yeah, I know all this from Norm. Yeah, Super Dave Osborne, all these guys. Yeah, the Masters. The Masters. Tiger but, Woods, generally regarded as the most handsome man in golf. Most handsome man in golf, Tiger Woods. You know his real name's Eldrick. I would go by Tiger too. Eldrick Taunt. Woods. I think um, you remember Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. His real name's Gerald. Everybody would say, yeah, I'd go by Buster. <laughs> With a name like that. Gerald. It was like Gerald something Posey the third. Yeah, I'd go by Buster. <laughs> Buster Posey retired, huh? Yeah, he's like part of the front office now or something. Oh, is he? Or like something to do with the owner. I don't know. I don't really watch whatever that evolution of baseball is that they're playing with a pitch clock. Oh, I know. I was watching, I was like, 15 seconds? I'm like... It better not be a slow worker. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I know. It's kind of... definitely changes it up. But kind of on that on that note... What's the name of this podcast again? <laughs> I know. We're how many... We're 10 minutes in. I haven't said a little bit about the Kings. But to, to get back for our viewers who probably don't care about... Maybe some don't... Maybe not care about the Masters. Some maybe don't care about WWE. But I guarantee most of them... Listening to this, if they're listening care about at the this Kings. point, yes, if they've gotten this far, mm-hmm. they're holding out for something, and I don't think it's more talk about Tiger Woods. No, I don't know. I feel like Tiger Woods could have a better, <laughs> a better rating. I was to say it again, you know, generally regarded as the most handsome man in golf. Eldrick. I'm pretty sure, like, <laughs> people are turning it off right now. <laughs> Did he just say that again? But let's get back to the Kings. You said there was, uh, there's like these trends happening at, uh, in their losses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, what are they? We're oh, getting back to the Kings, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let's start with this, because it all funnels down from this. The Kings are a completely different team at home. Yeah. And most teams are, but they're generally better and fueled by their fans and they raise the intensity and, uh, they thrive off the energy. Mm-hmm. The Kings seem to thrive off adversity. They seem to thrive in a situation where they have to force the urgency. If they have to get in a position where, I guess as Mike Brown put it, if, if they're in a position where they kind of start thinking that things will start coming to them, as is prone to happen at home, when you have what's generally regarded as the most vibrant fan base, it's 
been dormant for 16 that's dormant that's not fair there's a lot of people that have been good fans but um you know there's a a, a, a lack of consistent urgency at home and you see it in the numbers too the Kings have the best offense at home like oh, everybody at home they have the number one offense I think they have the 29th defense at home and then on the road they're like top three offense and top 10 defense dang that's yeah. crazy yeah, that's nuts yeah and it's been something that we've talked about a lot, which is like, and Mike Brown's done a good job of kind of like, he calls it like slippage, you know, it's invisible, and it's deadly at home if you just think things are going to happen. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I think is Mike Brown put, to take his words again, because whenever the Kings lose a game like that, always listen to Mike Brown's press conferences. They're generally very good and informative. And uh, he said something to the effect that we just have to find a way that people have to light a fire under each other. It's almost like he just keeps pushing that things kind of have to come with, from within. You know, Mike Brown's done what he can do for the most part. There comes a point where they got to do it. We've been mm-hmm. saying that all season. Yeah. He's been saying it all season. Fans probably know that. And it's getting to that point where you got to make that push, kind of push him out of the nest, if you will, and see if they can fly. Yeah. Are you concerned? Uh, I'm a little concerned, considering the Kings are going to have a home series in their first <laughs> the round of the playoffs. Kings seven games. They won every game on the road. Just not enough road games for them. Yeah. I imagine that was the story. Well, do you remember... Do you the remember, Kings kneecapped by being the third seed. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember the 2019 World Series against the Nationals or say Astros? And each team, it won seven games. And no one won at home. I didn't know that. Yeah, they all the only the only games every team won was on the road. So when the Astros won, they won in Washington. Mm-hmm. When the Nationals won, they won in Houston. So I mean, why well, yeah, watch that happen this year where the Kings lose because they only have th- three uh, road games. But I mean, I hope that's not the case. And it's it, I mean, as a fan, it's like man, take advantage of this crowd. Take advantage of yeah. your fan base. I mean, we do have one of the better crowds in the league and. Even just in the uh, in the regular season games this year and those close ones, I mean, it's been electric. It's feeling like a playoff game just from the noise level and the cheering. So, I mean, I mean the Kings got to take advantage of it for sure. It's it is concerning. It's been a trend all year. You kind of should be better at home, mm-hmm. and they're just not taking advantage of it. And like, I don't, I don't know if it's like you said, where they're kind of just I don't know, just kind of taking it off. Yeah. I remember Mike Brown a couple months ago, and I was looking for it for one of the articles I was writing, and I was slamming my notebook on the ground because I couldn't find it. It's like one of those things where you're like, I know I heard it somewhere, yeah. and you're looking for it everywhere, and you just can't find it. <clears throat> Maybe I dreamt it. I dream about, <laughs> about Mike Brown all the time. Yeah. Um, but he said something to the effect, because I think Chris Bitterman asked him, like, I remember how it went. Yeah. It was like a post-practice media you know, meeting, and uh, I think Chris Bitterman from the B asked him, like, you know, I don't want to do a Bitterman I'll do a better man impersonation. Great reporter. Uh, just like James Hamm. Great reporter. Not the best radio voice. <laughs> They're great at what they do. Uh, but bitter, I'm not, I'll stop with the better man uh, impersonation. Uh, but uh, he said something like something about noticing kind of the way the Kings kind of don't always take advantage of that home crowd. And Mike Brown said he's just like, yeah, they just kind of sometimes they expect things to happen. And when you hear that, what do you think 
and when you hear that, and that was a couple months ago, and you hear that and you know that that's still the issue, it was essentially rehashed the same way on Sunday afternoon. Uh, what do you think is the solution? Uh, don't take anything for granted. <laughs> I mean, that's like the only thing. Like, play harder. I mean, like you said, they're... And the the problem is clearly the defense. Get some stops. Put a little more intensity on that defense. Don't expect the crowd noise to hinder the defense. <laughs> My cat's just going crazy right now. Um, <laughs> she's deaf, so she can't. She doesn't understand how loud she's being at times. But yeah, you just can't take it for granted. You can't rely on the crowd to alter. The opposition's offense. I don't. Even, I don't even know if they do. But considering they're a top ten defense on the road and the 29th defense mm-hmm. at home, I mean that's clearly the issue right there. Yeah. So. I mean, like the word that gets thrown around a lot in terms of that stuff on defense is physicality. Yeah. You see it all the time. I mean, like you're watching that Spurs game. The Spurs in the first quarter had like it was like on out of like seven possessions, there were like five wide open backdoor cuts that were made. Yeah. And as Mike Brown said, if someone's going to make a backdoor cut, they have to run through your number. I like the way he put that. they got to run through your number. And the Kings were just a screen door at that point. You just mm-hmm. wasn't stopping nothing. Yeah. And uh, that definitely gets difficult to manage if you're just letting everybody blow by, get in a scramble mode and all that stuff. And that urgency's got to be there from the start. But I think Mike Brown put it best. And he was reluctant to say it after the game. I think it took a little bit of coaxing of kind of asking the same questions to get it out of him because I think it came near the end of the press conference. But another thing that, you know, we've talked about, we've heard other people talk about, I'm sure fans have thought about it, and I'm sure it's been on Mike's, Mike Brown's mind as a guy that's seen winners in this league. He's been a part of winning teams and dynasties, uh, or a dynasty. Um, and he kind of suggested, he's like, you know, I don't really want to say this, but maybe we need to kind of go through some heartache to know that, you know, urgency is a 24-7 thing. He said something to that effect. And by saying heartache and stuff like that, he's clearly saying we might need to lose the playoffs. And that seems like the only way to learn. And we said that too, because it's just like, first of all, it's tough to for any NBA team to you know, go to the conference finals in their first season as a unit in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Like everybody will tell you, you can you can watch it, you can listen to people talk about. It. Everybody knows that the playoff basketball is way different, and uh, little mistakes become glaring, and little things become like monumental. Mm-hmm. Doing little things, and so it just seems like the only way to like set that in motion is to screw up. I mean, like, think about every time you've taken a test in school. The way you learn is you, you look at it and you get a question wrong. You're like, I, I should have had that one. Yeah. And then you never forget it. And so I feel like in that same effect, and you could probably go through and pick other analogies and metaphors there, but I kind of think they need to lose. <laughs> uh, I mean... But maybe they don't. I, they'd have to prove that. No, I, and I get I get what you're saying. Like, I, I don't want them to lose, but I, I get what you're coming from, like... Isn't failure the best way to learn, right? So, I definitely hear where you're coming from. I don't want to listen, because <laughs> I just want the Kings to go all the way to the finals and win it in their first year. I get it, it's unrealistic. And of course, them losing, uh, well, they'll learn things from it for sure going into the next season. That's where 
the word that's been thrown around a lot is postseason experience, right? Just any kind of experiences, postseason experience, you learn from your losses. And, you know, although there have been guys on this team that do have postseason experience, they don't really have it as a unit. Even Darren Fox, one of the better players on the team, doesn't have postseason experience himself. So, I mean, you gotta you got to gain it somehow. And definitely a loss will fuel your fire a little better. Yeah, and, you know, to think about it in, like, a less uh, cynical way, I guess, would be... And Mike Brown, another thing that he said at various points this season is, like, you can learn from every game. It's really nice to learn from a win as opposed to a loss. Yeah. So, like, it's possible... Um, and given kind of the, and this is why I don't like count out the Kings. I don't like. I'm not saying they're gonna lose in the first round or they're gonna suffer heartache or something like that. And there's a better chance that that happens than it doesn't. But I'm not necessarily saying that that's gonna happen. Uh, I think we've admitted that this season, particularly in the Western Conference, has been really weird. The Kings are kind of a wild card because they're they can be so good at times, and when they're playing their best basketball, it's like oh, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And they're top three and have been one of the more consistent teams in a very inconsistent, janky, kind of weird schedule or, uh, season. So, I mean, like, that speaks for itself. So there's a possibility that things go well, that they can learn through success. But did the Warriors win from, learn from success? Yeah. I mean, like, they beat... I mean, does anyone? They beat, they beat Denver in the first round way back when. I'm sure that had something to do. No one goes in... And it just starts winning right away. I mean, even Jordan, right? I mean, he had to go... He had to learn from the bad boys in Detroit. So, I mean... Are the Kings going to win the finals this year? I don't have my money on it. And I, hopefully they can make it as far as they can. But I think regardless, they're going to be walking away with... You know, some experiences that will help them going forward. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting coming from Mike Brown's mouth. It is interesting. He doesn't sound like It doesn't sound like something he'd say. He's usually pretty positive trying to back his guys up but and he was like throwing it there like I really hate to say this but maybe so he's like careful about it but yeah. like I heard it and I was like maybe maybe I guess this kind of takes it to another notion that like uh, I don't have the quote in front of me right now <laughs> I could spend time looking for it but uh, I don't have it in front of me but it's something to the effect that uh, Mike Brown said something about he kind of wants his guys to be a little more um, in terms of like lighting that fire under each other. Maybe, in, in, again, on that notion of coming like from within, he kind of wants his guys to challenge each other a little bit more, I think. And um, that always kind of made me think. It's like, because it sounds like Fox and Sabonis do a pretty good job of doing that, but I think he wants the other guys to be doing it and have like this culture of accountability mm-hmm. kind of. Because they, they already have kind of instilled a decent one, but he wants to take it to another level. And so, I almost wonder, are like, the Kings too nice to each other? I mean, they could be. They seem a little... Because Mike Brown went on and said, like, you know, being with the Warriors, it was like, you could say stuff to each other because everybody's trying to achieve the same thing. And again, I'm kind of taking this, paraphrasing it. But, you know. And I guess that kind of, like, is the only way to get to that level, again, is that losing? Get to lose? I mean, I mean, sure. I, I, this team, in their first season together, they've only won. You know, it's like they they haven't experienced a losing season as this unit, right? Yeah. And so it's just like good times right now. Why? I, I mean, yeah, you can get mad at each other, but at the end of the day, they're in the third seed right now. Maybe we'll see this a little more in the playoffs. 
And like looking at this team, like who who's that vocal guy in the locker room that's really gonna challenge someone? Like you're saying, you're talking about the Warriors. Clearly, you have Draymond Green, right? But it's like I don't see Sabonis doing it. I sure as hell don't see Fox doing that. And I don't really see Harrison Barnes doing it either. And those are your three leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I just I don't think there's anyone on that team, the team right now. Like you said, maybe a loss, Sabonis and Fox will, you know, they're the best players. They're going to be working the hardest. They'll maybe probably get a little more pissed off than other players if they lose. So one of them does need to turn into that guy. That's why I was, like, so happy when Trey Lyles shoved Brooke Lopez. I'm like, I don't care, like, if it was warranted or not. It's like, at least it, like, this, at least someone on this team is going to stand up or, like, show, like, a fire or anger. Yeah, I feel like everyone's just, like, so happy and stuff. Like, she's someone out every now and then. It did, that did kind of have, that was kind of one of the big appeals for why, like, the arguments for, like, why people supported the whole scuffle on yeah. the court. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I, I always kind of wonder if Monk could be that guy. Because Monk was, you were at the game, so you were watching the broadcast, but you could see, because um, Monk got injured in pregame warm-ups, or just kind of tweaked did something kind of suffered, sustained some lower leg soreness. He was a late scratch. So he came out to the bench, I think, midway through the first quarter. And uh, he was doing a lot of talking to the refs, a lot of talking to the guys. And I know he's kind of got a... He's a little less, far less intense than Draymond Green, but he could kind of carry out that role, I feel like. Because he constantly says, he's like, I just want to keep the guys together. And it's a completely different strategy to Draymond Green being in everybody's ear, being kind of an enforcer. Um cracks the whip but I think Monk could kind of take on a similar form of that I think Monk can do it as well but he also comes out he's also like that guy who's always smiling and stuff which isn't a bad thing but it's like sometimes it's hard to like relate the two yeah it would be a way different approach it would be a different approach but I can I I, I was kind of thinking Monk too when I was speaking he just seems like a vocal guy and like a vocal guy regardless is helpful yeah I, I was just I don't, you don't really see Sabonis or Fox being that vocal guy. And, like, I guess now, now we're really kind of honing in on something here because that whole concept of he just wants it and needs it to come from within because you can't just keep saying the same thing to the guys because then it's just like, well, now you're getting stagnant with the same message. He always has to talk about how he has to kind of make these appeals in different manners and have different coaches doing it. Um, so it's really important that they get that kind of locker room voice. Yeah. I mean, I think Sabonis does a good job on the floor of kind of being like a bit of a general, and Fox is a pretty good uh, in that same light, but who cracks the whip? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. And I don't know that there's really anybody on the team that cracks the whip. I don't I don't think so. You know? I just don't see anyone with that vocal presence. What's well, if Kessler Edwards just start talking shit? You just leave the new guy, and he's just like, all right, motherfuckers, turn it on. Maybe, maybe that's what the Kings need. Maybe he was going to surface of Kessler Edwards just clocking like Davion Mitchell. Who who would you want? I mean, I guess this is a question that we had, did no research on, but maybe that's what the Kings need to look at in the free agency next year. It's like, because like, you have Harrison Barnes as your vet, and yeah, he's a good leader and stuff. But he's, he's not the lead by example. Yeah, exactly. He's not the whipcracker like you were saying. So maybe that's... 
Maybe they need to look for one of those guys. I can't think of... I mean, obviously Draymond's the prime example of that guy. So I'm having trouble thinking. It's difficult because if you're going to bring somebody from the outside, they'd have to... It wouldn't be Draymond, but it'd have to be somebody that has... With his caliber. Yeah, that somebody that's somebody like, that can come into a new place and command respect. Because you come in and try to act like Draymond and not be Draymond Green with all the rings and the success. What about just like an old head? I mean, like, I always... He, he was... Silly because they were expecting him to contribute, but I always thought that Tristan Thompson was really good. That is true. Tristan was, was, Tristan was good. Very good vocal leader. He was. He, Where is he's, he? He's working for ESPN. Is he? Yeah. He's out. That's I crazy. ESPN or something like that. Yeah. Um, but something like that. Yeah, I guess like an old vet doesn't have to play. I guess. No. But it has the experience, championship experience, which is huge. Um, I mean, I know we Think, were talking a couple of weeks ago about like. Just based on the way he plays on the defensive end in terms of being this tenacious player. And it's been kind of a constant process that really I don't think has paid off so far. Like last year, it seemed like Davion Mitchell was gaining a voice. Oh, yeah. Um, It's been really slow for him to kind of like step into things, even seeing him in his own role this season. It's kind of taken till the last month or two for him to really like, like nobody's really worried about Davion right now. Mm -hmm. Looks good, looks confident, looks comfortable. But there's been, like, that adjustment. And uh, that's the type of guy that, like, he does it with his actions because he always plays hard. Um, it's on the defensive end of the floor where that whip-cracking... We need to find a different term for that. Yes. <laughs> uh, where that gets done and where it's most useful and most needed. Um, I don't know if he has it in him, though. Cause... He's just a little young still. I mean, talking about a defensive guy like Della Badova. Deli. But I, I just don't see him doing that in the locker room. Yeah. And what's, what's up with Delhi? He's broke his... Yeah, I caught that. I put it in my... I, I can show you right here. I put it in my notes that he, he... I think he either made a pass or was, like, getting a pass on the baseline. And you saw him. He went, ah! And he was, like, nursing his hand the whole time in that Friday game against uh, Portland. I admit. I was, I was at Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. In and Fairfield. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse in Fairfield. In Fairfield? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were saying that. Yeah. That's crazy. I missed it. I go by that Texas Roadhouse all the time. I know. It's right off the freeway. It was, was packed. Was, it was packed. Is, or is it a, it's a cattleman's that's over... Dixon. Right over here. Or, oh, no. Yeah, there's one off of... Uh, by Hazel. Yeah. Yeah. It's right off the freeway. There's also one in Dixon, though, too. That's yeah. pretty close off the freeway. Yeah, they always... They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Deli, yeah. Deli hurts. Why he's out for the rest of the year, right? Yeah, because there's only like a week left. But like that's. I think they said it was a week or two recovery. Okay, so it wasn't like. Playoff. We should double check that. I I, yeah, I have no idea. But I kind of just saw them. I was like, what? He had like the nerve, because it was like a finger injury. So he had like the. Uh, again, you read the game, so you didn't see it. But when they showed him on the broadcast, his like cast, it had like those little like patches with like the little wires coming from it. So you knew it was like a nerve. Oh. Issue. Interesting. Yeah. Matthew Della Vadova. Delhi does it. What's up, Delhi? Oh, I just typed in Matt with an E. So, like, Matt instead of gloss. <laughs> but, I mean, on the notion of Matthew Della Vadova filling that role, I mean, that's a good point because, in a lot of ways, he does what you want, but he doesn't serve it in that way that you were talking about. And I don't think he really ever has. So that almost kind of points to how specific, I mean, like, 
how difficult it is to find a guy like that. It is. It is difficult. That, and that's why, you, I mean, we, we were talking about it this year going into the season where it's, you really wanted Fox to develop into that leader. And he has. He's definitely been a better leader this year than in years past. But, you know. Yeah. As he, still, he still has work to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that uh, was interesting about Fox's post-game press conference on Sunday was, because like, you'll listen to Mike Brown when he talks about the defense. He's like, you know, he'll just say it again and again. It's like, we've seen it in spurts. I know they have it in them. They just got to figure it out. Darren Fox is a little bit more alarmed by it. He's just talking about like how unfortunate timing this is all kind of coming around at uh, with the defensive struggles. So there's like, you can tell something's in him where he wants to kind of... So maybe there's a different animal within Fox. And, uh, you know, and uh, maybe that comes out in the playoffs. You would hope so. I would. But I sometimes I wonder about Fox's accountability. Because, like, after that play on Sunday, uh, I don't remember who asked him. They asked him, like, did you not know that they were going to double team? It didn't... When I watched it, it didn't look like they they were... You're referring to the last play of oh, regulation. regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just based on the way Fox kind of got like his back up against the, the half court line and almost seemed surprised by the double team. Um, it, it seemed like they were almost expecting them to just let him go ISO. Um, and he was just like, no, we knew, we knew it was going to be double team. And it's just like, you have to admit though, that that was really not handled all that well. No. <laughs> he had his like head turned. Um, I think Keegan was, Keegan Murray's a little late coming up to the wing because um, Mike Brown described what was supposed to happen, and uh, I don't know. So I just on that point of Fox, it just uh, it's the same thing with the the uh, Brooke Lopez thing. Where he's just like they asked him about. It, he's like, well, to be honest, would it have just dribbled up the floor? None of that would happen. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that answer. <laughs> Sometimes I just feel like they're I like like you said, he's made tremendous strides as a leader. He's done a really good job. And he kind of is a vocal and lead by example type of guy. The way he's kind of shown his metal on both ends of the floor. But I still think there's a... I don't want to call it maturity because he's a grown man. But there's still steps that can be taken. Yeah. Which almost gives you hope that he could fulfill that kind of... I don't want to say it again. But yeah. <laughs> the, that le- that the vocal enforcer. leader. The enforcer. The enforcer. That, there we go. It's a perfect. Just, just pick up Big Perk. Big Perk. Imagine signing him. Why not? Did you just sign Udonis Haslam? He's retiring. Udonis Haslam looks like he's just withering away from not playing. I'm like, I kind of remember him having a little bit more bulk to him, didn't he? We probably have, have to be slim on your I body. have not looked at Udonis less, Haslam. Less weight on your bones at that point. But, That's crazy. Yeah. Three rings. <laughs> Set me down as three rings, five finals. That's crazy. Yeah, five. Yeah, five, six, five, six. Oh yeah, because of the. Um, because they went in twenty twenty. They, they, yeah, they, the, the bubble. That finals. Yeah. In quotes, that finals. <laughs> who did? Oh my! Who did they lose to the first year? The Mavs, the Heat versus Mavs. Yeah. They lost the first one, lost the last one. That's like... Man. That was like 10 years ago. Kavinsky. So I feel like he didn't, he didn't get talked about enough. No. How good he was. 
I mean, like, obviously people give love to Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan probably was better. But Dirk Nowitzki, talk about a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. Dirk. Dirk's crazy. Oh, it's always weird when I look at the all-time scoring list. Dirk's, like, seven. Like, you never expect him to be that high. I don't know if he's seven exactly, but I know he's top ten. I always expect him to be, like, 15 or something. Like, damn, seven? He was good. Dirk. 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 Dirk Redor. Oh my god. But we got any good news? <laughs> oh, we can talk some good news. Um, we were kind of talking last week a little bit about it. Um, we kind of took a more of an angle about like Metu, but it, uh, over yes. the course of now four games now. Yeah. Minnesota, Portland, Portland, San Antonio. It's four games, and Alex Lenz serving as the reserve to Domas Sabonis and. That's about the best damn four-game stretch of a backup five we've had. I mean, like, Metu, to be fair, has probably had four-game stretches where he's been adequate and looked pretty good. But rarely have, like, you need, like, really has he stood out. Like, sometimes you'll look at it and be like, he'll have, like, a 10.6 rebound game thrown in there. But other than that, like, nothing really stands out. But Alex Lent, it just seems like he's making such an impact. And he just fits right into what they're trying to do. And it just, I mean, we, I, I said at the All-Star break, well, if they're not going to play him, you, you're left to wonder whether he's even playable. Like, why do they even have him? I mean, like, it seemed so, it seemed kind of mean at the time. But it was like, it almost seems like they're not playing him to spare him, you know, not being able to get a job or something like that or whatever the deal is. or uh, So it doesn't hurt his value. And then they just throw him out there like he's a secret weapon. <laughs> And he's terrific. He's a he's always been a good screen setter. He can roll to the rim pretty well. He's big body, um, but the way he's playing on defense, he's not just trying to swap balls away. He's very fundamentally sound. He moves backwards. He fits within the scheme of things, and the blocks are just residual effects. They just come up with a block. He'll just go straight up on a guy. Yeah. Not having to get a hand on it because he's a seven footer. Yeah. And I think like that's just just perfect. The size and the shot blocking ability are added benefit. Which For I sure. think makes it better because if you just had like a guy that's like trying to go out there and swap balls, you'd have, you'd have Kata, who's gonna mm-hmm. rack up three thousand five minutes, yeah, not know what the hell he's doing. Len has just been steady and good, and finishing plays, putbacks, great rebounder. Feels so stupid if I were Mike Brown. <laughs> I, it's like just why why now? Like why wasn't Alex Len playing all year? I like. It's weird. I mean, I think he's been in the league longer than Metu, and he's older than Metu, but I feel like... he's proven he's had different roles in the league. Yeah. This was like Metu's first time having a consistent role. Yeah, exactly. And so it was just... I don't know, because I remember... When did we have him the first year? 2019? 2020? I think 2020, because didn't you get him from the Hawks? We got him from the Hawks with... Did he play in the bubble? I know. Did he... I don't remember either. I don't think it was about. I think it was 2019. The year before that? Because we had him the last two years. It was the year you, that the Kings got... Kent uh, Bazemore. And also, didn't you, you trade for... Um, who was the, like, the second overall pick? Jabari... Jabari Parker. Yeah, Parker. Yes. I was gonna say Jabari we got Smith. Parker and Lynn from the Hawks. Yeah. And we, I believe we tra- tra- traded, traded Dwayne Dedman back to Atlanta. And that's who we picked up. Deadman. He's a deadman. 
to admit to us. But yeah, so like Alex Lynn, I mean, for all those Kings fans that remember that second half with Alex Lynn, Alex Lynn was super good. We didn't pick him back up. He wasn't like super good, but he was like the enforcer. Talking about enforcers, he was blocking shots, getting in fights, standing up for his guys. And then we didn't pick him up the next year. And then I believe, yeah, then we got him two years ago. So this is his second season in his contract. I remember Monty, um, I'll say Monty today. Um, (laughs) He was just like, yeah, like we were hoping to bring back Alex Lynn, like, last season didn't work out so we're glad to have him back this year and i'm like perfect like alex lynn i was bummed that we didn't pick him up in 2020 he was super good for us in that second half and um yeah he just didn't not even last year i don't feel like he played that much mm-hmm. no not at all yeah and then this year he didn't i mean he's never he doesn't play so it's yeah it makes you leave to you know leads you to believe that he's unplayable in the nba kind of bigger maybe can't run the floor as well but I'm also, but I'm also like this guy's. You know, he's not that old. He's, I don't know. He's drafted in 2014, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I mean, he's probably 30 or something. I really don't know. I'm not trying to analyze him that hard. But it's like he has a place in this league still, or I thought so. But now him coming back late in the season and just playing, kind of how I expected him to play if he was playing all year. Like better, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> His mobility has been surprising to me. I didn't well, think he was that mobile. He's playing like he did, honestly, like at, in that 2019 year. So yeah. I'm just like, where has this been? And like, why, have, why haven't we been able to see this all year? Like, why hasn't he been playing? Yeah. It, I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Considering how big the backup five position has been and the little to no chances he was given. We saw Holmes get tried out a couple times. We've seen Metu on and off. We even saw Kata come in. But, like, Len, it was just like, okay, he sucks. Like, of course you're going to assume he's just unplayable. Yeah. Because Frank Brown never went to him unless it was against, like, Jokic or something. Mm-hmm. Now he just comes in. And I think the only reason fine. he started that game against Denver, because Katie Christensen pointed this out, that Alex Len gets in practice, he runs with the starters. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he started that game more than anything. Yeah. Because I think Holmes was the one that still got the majority of the minutes in that game. Yeah. But yeah. also, Lynn was, like, coming off of not really playing all season, and I think he was coming off of an illness, so and his I think conditioning had, was really weak. I think he got in some foul trouble early, too. Yeah, something like that. Um, but that almost, like, when you think about that, it's like, okay, he was kind of more thrown out there because of his comfort with the starters and stuff like that. That kind of underlined that point of, like, ooh, like, does he have a place? And what's the deal with that? And it's just all worked in. But the thing that I think about, because another thing that Christensen has been saying is that like maybe this is Mike Brown just like working him in because when it comes to the back of five, and we were talking about this last week, is it going to be matchups based? Because it's like if you start playing the Warriors, especially if like Looney's not on the floor, like if you have Draymond playing the five, you might need to be switching one through five. And you can't do that with Len. Mm-mm. You can't really even do that. You can't do it with a so Sabonis. They don't do that with Sabonis. Yeah. But you can do that with Metu. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's just like. It, it's looking more and more and more and more, and we'll get to this in a second, like they're going to play the Warriors in the first round. It's like no separation in terms of uh, the Clippers and the Warriors right now. Uh, they just keep staying 5-6. and six. Yeah. It seems like nothing's moving in the standings except like 7-8-9-10. Uh, 7-8-9, mm-hmm. really, because the Thunder have been sitting in that 10 spot for a long time. Yeah. But not to get caught in the weeds there... Um, if that is indeed the case, it is kind of weird that they're going to Lynn now and Metu's yeah. kind of collecting rust. 
I mean, the Clippers, I guess you can play Lanigan, Zubox, and Plumley. And Plumley. Yeah. So maybe you're That's hoping for match. that. That's why I think the Kings really just. Maybe they're just. Maybe they're, maybe they're fine with Metu. Like, I, he, he can plug in. He's had his run. Yeah. That's like, I don't know, Metu. We said it last week, too, where it's like, well, remember when Metu had the job taken away when he came back against that, uh, or in or, that Orlando game? It was like a couple weeks ago. He played, was playing probably his best basketball of the season. Yeah. So it's almost like you take something away from him. In the same way, kind of building that urgency through <clears> Harden. <throat> yeah. Um, maybe that kind of brings out a better thing from him. And, and if that is indeed the case, now you got a double barrel shotgun at the back of five mm-hmm. based on the matchup. Mm-hmm. So that could prove out to be real smart, but it's like, I mean, if you're going to switch one through five, you might just have Lyles play the five. Yeah, honestly, I'd rather have Lyles yeah. and like Kessler Edwards out there. Yeah, and Edwards is versatile enough to guard basically two through four. Um, you probably don't want him guarding some of the bigger guys down low, but versatility is key, and he's versatile as hell. He, I mean, who's the four on the Warriors if Draymond's at the five? Dude, they Wiggins? Play, they play DiVincenzo. So Wiggins probably, <laughs> yeah. If he comes back and is playing all right, um, that'll be interesting to see what happens. But the Warriors are. Um, I want to make one last point about Len before we move on to the Warriors. The other thing we were talking about when we were thinking about are the Kings going to pursue a backup five is do you want to get somebody that's just going to be like a, a lot of people want shot blockers, but I guess we were kind of like, well, maybe you want somebody like Plumley because it's somebody that can plug in and be like Sabonis. Len has been doing that. Len's obviously not as good of a passer as him. He's obviously not as much of a threat. But it's like, in a lot of ways, he's kind of, you know, able to be a good screen setter, mm-hmm. smart enough to kind of just make the right pass. And um, I think another thing that's really helped is what's that's like two and a half years total stretched over three seasons where he's got to play with De'Aaron Fox. That's true. And I think you saw it in the second Portland game. He, you know, Monk hit him a couple of times. It's like, it just seems like everything just kind of fits in. I mean, he's obviously not Sabonis, but not anywhere close, but kind of. Resembles him more so than Holmes or Metu. Yeah. Holmes just makes no sense. Holmes is just offense. the biggest disappointment of the year. It's just, if he was bigger, you know, it would be a little better. But or he could shoot the three. One of the I mean, two. Even, whenever he goes out in garbage time, he's putting up a three every time. <laughs> he needs to. That's his only. That's his. It'll be his saving grace. That's another grades. thing though about he Len. Be Len is shooting like thirty-eight percent in Eurobasket. Yeah. Three. And we were wondering, like, is that going to be a difference maker when we're doing like our preseason talk? We didn't have anything to talk about. So yeah. <laughs> like, well, Len be a decent stretch five. I always wonder, is he going to take one? They had a play where they had him lined up in the corner on one thing. Yeah. Every now and then he'll take one from the corner. I'm like. I wonder if they'll try to unleash that a little bit more. I, I mean, I think in Atlanta before he came over, yeah. he was putting up like three had, a game. He, a, he was like, their, he became their starting center at one point. Yeah. And he was shooting like 36% from three, which is a big, that's crazy. That's perfect. That's exactly what you need. His real name is Olexki. Yeah. Olexi. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you didn't know that? Alex Len. Al? Al Len? Al Len. What's up, Big Boy Al? What's up, Big Boy Al? Yeah. I love Al Len, though. Um, I'm happy that he's finally... He's drafted in 2013. He's 29. That's you gotta re-record the whole thing. 
Um, no, I'm just happy to see him succeeding now. He was putting up... Oh, my. An ad popped up. No, thanks. What year was this? 2019-20. He was shooting 36% from three on 2.6 attempts a game. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good for Alex Lynn. Considering he's never put up two attempts. He's only put up, in a single season, more than one attempt two other times. Oh, no. No, only one other time. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. He had that, like, year, and then he's not really ever shot the three ball again. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that if the opportunity came where he, he, he'd get one, I'm sure he'd put one up, and I'm eager to see what happens. I, I mean, he's done it in the past, and when he was, he definitely played a little more last year than this year, especially when Sabonis went down. I remember him throwing up corner ones, and he was like, oh my God, he made it. He was like that wide open threat, kind of like Sabonis. Like, yeah. with Sabonis is wide open, it's like, he'll pull the trigger. Hit one on Sunday. Yeah, that's a big one, too. Yeah. Alex Len is definitely a uh, bright spot. Yeah, big bright spot. And you can throw like Kessa Edwards. Um, another thing I want to talk about before we move on to the Warriors is uh, we were talking about Davion Mitchell really filling into his role. One of the things that um, he's done over the last two games, he had five assists in that second Portland game. He had four assists against San Antonio. Now that was without Monk in the second one. So he really had to take on his added role. But that's this is a guy that averages two assists a game this season. I think two point two. Yeah. And I feel like in that Portland game, the Kings at a couple points got a little bit away from there's another issue that they do sometimes. They rely on that freaking three point shot. Yeah. Which is fine if you get this is where Katie Christensen sounds like a broken record, but she should. She always says, I just don't like those threes because there's no paint touches and I go, You tell them, girl, because I totally fucking agree. Those are and then the overtime period. It's like they gave up because they took like four straight threes. None of them came with a paint touch. They missed all four and they sunk their chances at that point. Mm-hmm. But Davion Mitchell in that Portland game, in a similar way that Harrison Barnes will kind of get things back on track, drove in, kicking the ball out for spray threes, dumping it off to the big man, or even finishing. And it's just like you start seeing him do that. You see the success. You see the assist numbers go up. You really start to see him. When you're talking about him getting more and more comfortable in his role and more confident, it's like, that's almost the missing link. Like, we're talking about, like, defense is there, okay, the offense, but that other element of the offense is being the point guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like he's really stepping into being more of a, the head of the snake, as Mike Brown puts it. So, I don't know. I'm really, I think Davion Mitchell has been on a steady um, upward trajectory, basically, since, Since the break, the All Star break, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to throw that out there because Davion Mitchell's heating up at the right time. Yeah, and it, that kind of we're talking about defense being an issue, and you know, if, if he's, I guess one way to put it is like if he's adding that element where he can be the passer, and he can make that defense a difference on the defensive end and put himself in a position to be out on the floor more. In the closing lineup. That's all good. Mm-hmm. That's all better. Yeah. But, um, you know, I keep thinking about a Warriors-Kings series. Uh, we've been talking about it a little bit on and off here today. Um, the Kings have been fairly consistent all season in terms of being one of the more, you know, in their third in the conference for a reason. The Warriors really appear to be getting hot at the right time. 
Jordan Poole's getting it back together. Like you said, Wiggins is coming back. Um, you, from what you hear from Warriors fans, you're really starting to see Gary Payton. Uh, the, <laughs> I can't remember. I kept calling him Gary Payton the third one. Time. <laughs> you're like, wait, are we missing something? Is there? Are you talking about somebody else? I think it's GP two. I'm like, oh yeah. He's getting it. They're they're kind of seeing the same defensive intensity. I think uh, they played they played the Spurs on Friday night, and the Spurs were doing similar things to the Warriors, but the Warriors dropped a forty-one point fourth quarter on them. Mm. I think Gary Payton the second had like a huge putback dunk, just full of energy and all that stuff. The Warriors are playing really good basketball. Uh, I mean, need I mention Steph Curry? Clay Thompson is got the most threes this season. Um, yeah, it's crazy. He's, I didn't realize how good of a season he was shot having. Forty percent. Yeah. Three. Most threes he's hit in his career. Well, because that's the only shot he has now. Yeah. <laughs> he does it throwing up. He's definitely not the same guy. But uh, you like to see that. Um, unless Still think scoring twenty two a game too. Yeah. yeah. You didn't expect that. And then you know you got guys like like Divincenzo who just plays the game the right way. Great rebounder. Uh, high intensity defender, good passer. Um, the Warriors look good. Are you uh, would you be concerned? Because we talk about like the Clippers, they would be okay against the Clippers. I think you know if they. Um, the Warriors are definitely one of those teams where I think, and it's probably just has to do with the championship pedigree. But it's just like that would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, of course, the Warriors are the reigning champions. They still have their core. I mean, without Kevin Durant, but still their championship core, right? He wasn't part of the core. Yeah, he wasn't part of the core, but he definitely was a big reason they won those second two titles um, after he joined. So, I mean, yeah, they're not. I mean, that's we were saying the same thing last year. Like, yeah, the Warriors. What were the Warriors seeded last year? Like fourth when they? I think they were the second. Were they second? Were they that high? I think so. Okay, never mind. But it's like this still second or third. Yeah. Like Denver in the first round. I think Denver. Really? I thought Denver was, like, top last year. I don't remember now. We should look that up. I know, I really should. Anyways, uh, my point is that the Warriors aren't the Warriors of the mid-2010s, right? 2023 now. Yeah, they won the championship last year. They're not as feared as they used to be, but they still got those same guys. They still have Steve Kerr at the lead. I mean, they're a scary team. And what, what were the Kings against them this year? Have we beat them this year? Yeah, they won the third game. Um, but they lost the first two. They lost the one. I think the first game that they lost to them was the one where, like, Metu played the whole four. Yeah. Quarter. The second one was the... That was, like, the second or third game of the year. Yeah. And then the second game against them was the controversial no-call. Oh, yeah. They finally got them the third time. What happened then? I yeah. I don't even remember that game at all. So I do not remember that third Warriors game. How'd they win? That was right before the uh, Brooklyn game on TNT. That was in November. So they haven't played the Warriors since November? Nope. And they play next Friday? Next Friday, the last home game. They Next Friday or this Friday? Uh, This Friday. This Friday, yeah. Holy hell. It's April. Dang. They haven't... <laughs> it's just really... Yeah, I remember now. So I'm like, they play the Warriors three times in the first, like, ten games. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. They did get all... Man, what was that third game, though? I want to know what happened. I don't, it doesn't even matter. I don't know, but it was the only one that they played in Sacramento of those three. 
And the Warriors are a terrible road team. Yeah. Even though... Well, yeah. but that's what we were talking about last week, too, actually. They're going to be able to travel well. And there's a lot of Warriors fans that have been... Whether you like it or not, have been Warriors fans for a couple of years now. They're mm-hmm. going to come out and cheer. It'll be interesting, though, if we do play the Warriors, like you said. And I think we were talking about this last week a little, too, is that the Kings are a bad home team, but the Warriors are maybe a worse road team. Oh, easily a worse road <laughs> So it's kind of, so maybe maybe it'd be beneficial that way. It could be, it could be. But I mean, but it almost feels like a neutral setting. Yeah, because then they're good at home. But the Kings are good at the road. Yeah. So it kind of just equalizes everything. And another thing, too, is like, Draymond said it before. Didn't he say it this season? He's just like, it's really hard to bring the intensity for a game in like October or November. Meaning, pretty explicitly, like, man, I'm just ready for the playoffs. And they, they know how to turn it on. I mean, that's like one of the things. They're just like blatant that they don't give a shit about the regular season. Yeah, they haven't since they no, broke they the record. Since they broke the record and lost the finals, they're like, okay. I mean, like, we know what matters. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, it was, it's just like kind of been the thing ever since Durant first went there. So oh, when Durant yeah. first went there, it's like, okay, well, they'll win, you know, 55 games or whatever, go to the playoffs and Steamroll everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Kawhi Leonard. So. <laughs> I know Kawhi. Zaza Pachulia, dude. But talk about, like, how important Kevin Durant was. Like, man, if Kevin Durant wasn't hurt. <laughs> no, yeah, for real. And then Clay Thompson, like, risked his life <laughs> in the final game. Crazy. Missed two seasons of his career. I know. That's well, crazy. He missed one, and then he like. Then he had a setback. Uh, it was like a, no, he tore his Achilles after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just like a different injury. It was a knee injury and then an Achilles injury. That's crazy. Poor Clay. That's why it was so cool to see him come back. And he's like the most down to earth player. Yeah. People always are like Steph Curry's down to earth. I'm like, he's not down to earth compared to Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Clay Thompson is. It'd be, but it would be fun, though, getting back to the Warriors-Kings. Yeah. Two NorCal teams. Again, like you were talking about it, there was a lot of bandwagon Sacramento fans for Golden State because, the, I mean, the hell were the Kings in like, the last 16 years, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, um, you know, went with the Warriors. I'm assuming we're getting some of those fans back. But like you said, a lot of them still exist. So it would be nice to maybe... I don't know. I guess you, they're one of our bigger bigger rivals, obviously, them and the Lakers, just for the yeah. proximity of the two teams as cities. And I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. Because, like, I, you know, kind of sick of all the Warriors hats in Sacramento and stuff. Like, let's, let's to re- be fair to some of them, like, a lot of people have been priced out of the Bay Area. So they live in Sacramento. That now. is fair. So there are a lot of Bay Area natives. Yeah. So they're not all bandwagon fans. They, they're not all, but there are there are enough. No, there's a lot of them. Yeah. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they talk about Steve Kerr without mentioning Mark Jackson. or Yeah. Whatever. They never mention, you know, uh, like David Lee. David Lee, dude. I don't remember David I Lee. I love David Lee. David I miss David Lee. But that was like that transference from like David Lee to Draymond Green was like perfect symbolism for the change in the NBA. Yeah. Like David Lee, it's just like, I think David Lee would probably be a solid five in this league today, but man, that was it. Um, but that would be a great series. And North I think Katie Christensen said it for one of the Portland games, but it's like we're on track to have, for the first time ever, all four California teams are going to be in the playoffs. 
That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Because, like, when the Kings were good, the Warriors sucked. Mm-hmm. The, and the Clippers sucked, years. too. The Clip- oh, yeah. Can't forget about the Clippers. They had the longest... Before they, us. Yeah, they, they didn't they go, like, 20 seasons? No, 15. 15? The oh. Kings, like, literally... Oh, they broke that record? The Kings have the NBA record. <laughs> like, the longest postseason drop. Boy. So, I think they... Set- second right now, or, like, the next highest right now is, what, like, Charlotte at N- nine? No, I think it's nine. I think it's, like, six. Tops. I'd be like four. It was with Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford. That was the last time, like six years ago. Clifford. Not working out too well this time around. <laughs> I know. I know. That's kind of a weird hire. That's like one of those things. It's like, um, who was the coach of um, the Hawks? Because Quinn Snyder's there now. Quinn Snyder's in Atlanta? Yeah, he got hired in February. I found that out. Quinn Snyder's the up, coach right? of the Hawks. <laughs> Quinn Snyder coaches the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> what? Yeah, but who was their coach? Their coach was um, before that other guy they Nate? fired. It, it before Nate. Nate McMillan, or were you was talking? it Nate McMillan? Well, Nate McMillan was like what he was it? like the interim, and then because they're like it kind of, remember when the Cavs fired David Blatt because everyone wanted Tyron Lue. It was kind of like that with Nate McMillan, but someone was before McMillan. But they fired him so McMillan could be the coach. Really? Well, the guy that... Did McMillan coach the Supersonics in, like, the mid-2000s? I think so. Okay, then that's who I'm talking about. That's Maybe. the thing I don't get. And then this George is what I'm Carlin. saying about Clifford. Why do they... Like, it made no sense when people were giving shit to Mike Brown. It's like, dude, the dude's got an over... He's got an over 60% win percentage. And people are giving him shit. And yet you're going to hire these guys that are career losers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, that's why I kind of get where Atlanta's coming from, just to go to get Quinn Snyder. Oh, I forgot. I forgot Budenholzer was their coach. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, Nate McMillan coached the Supers... Oh, wait, no. Career has to... Yeah. The Supersonics from 2000-2005. Yeah, so he was there after George Carl was there, right? Yeah. George Carl. So George... Sorry, George Carl. George Carl just reminds me of uh, Hank Hill's dad. Cotton Hill. He kind of looks like him, huh? Yeah. I've never seen it, but I know who you're talking about. King of the Hill. Yeah, I do. Quinn Snyder? When did he go to Atlanta? Why was that not a big deal? I don't know. Well, (laughs) And why would he go there? Why didn't... Why why wasn't Quinn Snyder hired? I don't know. I mean, he kind of got... Because he got fired after... Mutually parted ways, I think was what it was, after they lost the playoffs. And, like, I think a lot of those head coaching vacancies filled up pretty fast, didn't they? No, not really, because they didn't hire Mike Brown until May. Was it May? Yeah. Damn. Because I was in, I was in, uh, I was in beautiful Hawaii. Dang. Where I was about to go. I don't know, that was weird, though. Yeah. But I think Quinn Snyder just, like, and also I think it was, like, once you get kind of moved from that job, I think you just wanted time to think about it. Yeah, that's fair. But why go to the Hawks? Mid-season. Was it like a long deal? Or is it just like a... I have no idea what the, the, the deal is. <laughs> it's so random. I had no I idea. I know. I was, well, I was like, it was, again, like, here's what happens. Like, I'll go to a bar and I'll find out something <laughs> by just watching the TV. I'll be like, I was like, is that Quinn Snyder? Like, talking to like, you know, fucking Trey Young. What? That's a disappointing team. Team's super. And so it has to get rid of Herder, right? Get rid of Herder and not use him correctly. Man. Kevin Herder. Headband. 
Headband hurter, dude. Big hurt. <laughs> that's a great. That's I love that. Name. That's a good one. Um, but uh, we we got some more. What else we got on the docket? Uh, or is that it? That's kind of what I wanted to touch upon. But um, you know, on the notion of the playoff uh, teams that uh, the Kings could face, this is kind of a question we talk about every week. But I feel like as we talk about it, we get a little bit more poignant with our points. Yeah. And we actually kind of file it down into something. We were talking a lot about Minnesota last week. Um, the Lakers, man. Yeah, they're looking like more and more of a threat every game. Um, I mean, LeBron in the playoffs. Scary. Well, forget about LeBron. It's Austin Reeves. Yeah. I remember, I don't think I've been able to say this on the podcast, um, and I wanted to say it at the time. The Kings played the Lakers. It was one of the early meetings. It might have been the first game that they met up this season, mm-hmm. which would have been, I guess, early November. It was like, yes, it was like November 11th. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you're looking at the schedule. I know it off the top of my head. No, I do. I know. It was the day oh, after... 11-11. It was the day after my buddy's birthday. That's how I remember. Wow. It was the day after Veterans Day. No, it is Veterans Day, 11-11. Isn't it? Yeah, and you're right. It was Veterans Day. You're okay. right. Well, Austin Reeves was like, you know, getting his buckets. And like Katie Christensen and uh, it wasn't Mark Jones. It was Kyle Draper. We're just like, he's just so, so uh, you know, erratic with his drives to the room. I'm like, Give this kid a break. He is getting buckets. I love Austin Reeves. I like Austin Reeves. I love Austin Reeves. <laughs> they're, he, they're talking about him signing like a max. Not a max, but like four years of 80. Like, really? I don't know if I like him that much. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but that they're talking about, though. I'm hearing. Like, really? The Lakers have made mistakes before. <laughs> I don't know if he'll stay in L.A. I don't think they can afford him. But I don't know. Four years of 80. That's it's a little dramatic. That's why I don't have a job in a front office. Yeah, exactly. I've been trying. It's like signing Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Remember that guy? Yeah. Fucking, um, did Lakers sign Carlos Boozer when he was like, Carlos Boozer? No, he, he was. He got, like, bought out, I think, by the Bulls. And then he ended up going to the Lakers. He was on the Lakers for a second. I don't know how long, but he was. I think everyone just goes to the Lakers at the end of their career. <laughs> Someone was just talking to me about Good chance uh, we, uh, we'll see uh, either Fox or Sabonis in a Lakers uniform by the end of their career. Some random guy again in a bar. <laughs> okay. Bump a cigarette off somebody, listen to their stupid conversation. <laughs> it's like, what do you do for a living? Like, I don't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I do this podcast thing. And there's, you know, I don't know. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, but Lakers today. That's one of those teams that... Uh, They're getting scary. scary. Yeah, they look good since and, uh, the deadline. And I'm really interested to see, I guess it would be tonight, uh, the Kings and the Pelicans. Because that's a team that's won six of the last seven or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Very hot. They've been hot. And I think Brandon Ingram has had, like, in, his last, in that same stretch, has had, like, five or six 30-point games. So he's feeling it. I think he's shooting, like... 45% from three right now. Yeah. Um, so he's just on the money. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be kind of an interesting thing because they played New Orleans twice. They got beat up and then they beat them up, right? Yeah. And I think they were respectively on their home floors. Yeah, because um, they destroyed us at home. Yeah. 
It was a schlacken. Or, I don't know, on, uh, where the hell is the first one? We're looking at the schedule here. See, they, yeah, they lost uh, the road game and they won in March. Do you remember that one? I don't think they had a bunch of players playing. In the March one? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I think the one where they got schlacked. I think they didn't have anyone. Yeah, and we lost like, by like thirty, and we're like, "What?" I think, and then it was, yeah, because they lost to Indiana. And I don't think Fox played in that game. That first yeah. game, because he didn't play that Indiana game, and I think his son was born one of those days. Mm-hmm. Baby Rain. Everybody says Baby Rain. I'm just like, I just think of rain like. <laughs> Baby rain. Do you think they, like it's a light mist? Did, it's a did, baby rain. did the name King, the the fact that he plays for the Kings, was that have to do with his the son's name? I didn't read it, but it was like Jason Anderson's headline. It's like, uh, like you know, Fox and his wife pick Kings themed name. So yeah, I think it was. You think? Was supposed to. I just read the headline. I don't know if it was really because I think there's always a paywall. Zach Beatty. Uh, I know it's a bummer. Oh, well. I gotta save my free articles for Bitterman stuff. Yeah, I know. I always have to. I always have to use my two free ones. Yeah, and that's what's not worth it. Or go web page archive, but I'm not supposed to say that. Yeah, right. You can link all the athletic articles to it. I know. Oh my god. But yeah. Lakers, Warriors, either one of those though would be exciting. I mean, it's the two big, biggest rivals of the Kings. Be fun. Be fun to play LeBron in the first round. Be fun to play Steph Curry in the first round. Mm-hmm. So and both these teams want to play the Kings for different reasons. And as Mike Brown said, and I like this too. He said, "If I were them, I'd want to play us too." Until we prove otherwise. I mean, I would. Everyone wants to play the Kings. If you had to choose between the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, or the Kings, you're going to take the team with no experience. Exactly. exactly. Even honestly, anyone. I mean, anyone in the top eight right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, top eight, yeah. Yeah, it's the Kings. It's the Kings. And and to cut Draymond some slack, the only reason he wants to do it is for the travel. And that's what he says. I know. I I mean, he said that. he's smart enough to know, like, not to say what the Lakers said. Which, I don't even know. It was like a report. Like, the Lakers want to face the Kings. Yeah, I didn't even know who said it. And probably it was just like, you could make that report, like, here, passing from, like, a trainer. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're talking about it. It's like, of course they want to play the Kings. Yeah. So that might not even have been a big thing, but stirred stuff up yeah. it would make that series exciting yeah it definitely would be fun I'm excited to see I mean we have four games left we got about when's the last game against Denver it's on a Thursday no on a Sunday it's on a Sunday 12.30 got whiskey on a Sunday uh, it's the Nuggets so we have one week left of regular season basketball and then the playoffs don't begin until April 15th that will be the Saturday um, after the last Denver game, so we have about a week before, between the last regular season game and the first playoff game, it'll be exciting. Yeah, New Orleans, Dallas, Golden State, and Denver to end the season. Dallas, man. Where are they? What are they ranked? Like they're eleventh right now. Damn. They they just keep losing. Then like the Thunder have lost, I think three straight, but like Dallas just keeps <laughs> losing, so they can't slide into that spot. I mean, even if Dallas makes the play, and they don't defend, so they're not gonna. Like, do you think the Kings have defensive issues? Man, like at least Domas and Fox are decent defenders. Yeah. Kyrie's a sorry excuse for a defender, and then Doncic is just not a defender. Yeah. Not in any freaking way. No. Um, so. That kind of you know, in terms of. Looking at 
king's chances, it is nice that the kings have two stars that um, kind of play both ends of the floor fairly well. Yeah. Like, nah, you know. I don't, not, not special. Nothing not like, special, but they do. Given their role on offense, they really bring on the defensive end. I mean, like, Sabonis. Very underrated. Goes straight up. I love Sabonis on defense. Yeah, he's very I remember, underrated. I remember writing some articles earlier this season. You put them on Reddit. People are being fucking stupid. Yeah. They need a shot blocker. Watch him defend Moran. Yeah. And uh, Fox, you know, he's always doing a little something, but when he brings it on the defense, he brings it. Mm-hmm. The only fault with him on defense is sometimes a little over-aggressive. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. So, sorry, Dallas Mavericks fans. Sorry, D- DMs. Got that back-to-back, and then Golden State, the last mm-hmm. home game. And then Denver. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much these games mean too much. Do you yes. rest some guys in here? Who, I think, you oh, you were speaking you early. You were speaking earlier about how the Kings have been taking a lot of threes lately, and like the lack of paint touches. Mm-hmm. I see that in Fox. He's been jacking yeah. threes at an insane rate. Yeah, like I think it was the first Portland game. He went like zero for five. Yeah, and like I think Dude, he, yeah, I he's just, tired. He has to be tired. Cause they, I mean, you're not driving. You just take, you're you're bailing him out with yeah. a jump shot. I think that's totally fair. I, I, I think he should sit. At least the way he played in the fourth quarter against San Antonio was great. But then it's just like he was doing it again on both ends of the floor. Couldn't close the deal in regulation, and then didn't really have. It seemed like the whole team was a little out of it, just yeah. based on the way they were playing on the offensive end. They got about the third seed locked up. If they win tonight, they clinch the Pacific Division for the first time since since 2003. Once you clinch it, yeah, I mean. We play New Orleans. Maybe play them against New Orleans. Sit them against Dallas. Maybe even sit them Sabonis and Fox the last game of the season. You, like you said, you're not really playing for much other than extra wins at this point. Maybe you want to keep the guys fresh, but you're still like a week out until the next game. So I say you definitely have to sit them against Denver. You can't risk injury. And if you should. have it, if you have it locked up for sure, unless they like somehow have not <laughs> clinched the the, the, the Pacific. The next four. Yeah. So that's another thing. The Suns, I think, won all six of their games with Durant. Yeah. So it's just like I don't want to face the Suns in the first round. But on the notion of uh, taking a rest, I kind of think they should, but I just don't see that. They're, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they will. I think they will against Denver if they've clinched it. I think the one thing is, is just or locked like, up the Pacific. I, if it would be, it would just be that one game. Yeah, um, I agree. It would just be the one. But I almost feel like just with that stretch before the playoffs start and the fact that it's like no experience and then it's like I don't see Domas or Fox being open to that idea. Yeah. Even though Fox probably does need it. I, I think, I, mean, I don't know, I'm looking at that Dallas game too, second of a back-to-back on the road. Rest them there too. That, that would probably be a good one. Rest them there. I, it's, I, the fatigue's starting to show, I, especially in the, the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fox didn't look that good against. Nah, he looked decent against San Antonio, but he yeah, sixteen points in the fourth. Yeah, point. you're right. So, but again, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you can't bring it in open times. Exactly. Um, and if we're talking about defense being the issue, and it is, mm-hmm. you definitely need uh, some freshness there. Yeah, so I could see them resting at least Denver for sure, but I'm not opposed to Dallas either. Like I said, you're not. Not really playing for much at this point, unless Phoenix. Besides, give Dallas one. Let's see what. They yeah, do. exactly. We'll but see if they can even beat us with Keon Ellis being the backup point guard with Delio. I know. I kept wondering. I'm like, man, if they go into garbage time. Who's going to be the yeah garbage time PG? Um, but I have one more question. 
Yes. Kings are sitting at 47 wins right now. There's four games left. Harrison Barnes, I always loved it when they, they asked him about the 40 wins thing. He'd always say, like, well, you watch the Spurs for all those years, watch all these good teams. 50 was the number. Yeah, as it should be. 40 is not even a winning record. No. Like we've talked about. No. But did the Kings get to 50 wins? Can they go 3-1 and one in this stretch? Can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. That that San Antonio game was just like... You lo- that was- that's the easiest game <laughs> this season. and Or maybe Portland, but still. San Antonio at home? Yeah. Like, and you lose that one? And they look tired. I don't know if they can... I can see them getting 49. I don't know about 50. You think... Yeah, I, I, I would probably almost bet against it, especially when we're talking about like resting and them being tired and stuff like that. I mean, they'd probably go 2-2 two two this final stretch. In my I, yeah, I agree. But 49 wins is great. But something that is way off topic, not really off topic, but you were talking about the Spurs, and they are playing really well in this season. You know, they were coached by Popovich, Hall of Famer. Um, they had a really good chance to get, I'm not going to say his full name, Wimby. <laughs> yeah. One of my bones. Victor W. And, uh... Under Pop. Imagine <laughs> if that happened. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be, uh... Yeah, Popovich would just get, you know, rejuvenated. Yeah. Have another big like that to coach. would be crazy. That'd be something to see, though. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Who's in the run? I guess San Antonio, Houston... I don't know. Who's the worst team in the East? Portland probably trying to get in there. They're trying. But who are the top? Who are the bottom ten in the East? I don't know. Magic, I'm assuming. I feel like the Magic won a lot of games. No, I don't. Well, not like in terms of like being a shitty team. Detroit, beat, I'm assuming. They beat Boston twice in a row, like earlier in the season. Let's just look it up. Not to say that they have a good record, but it's just like... The worst teams in the East are the Pistons, Hornets. Oh, the Pistons. The Pistons have the worst record in the league. Don't they? they have like 15 yeah, wins. they have sixteen. Oh. And the Pacers. What happened to them? Yeah, they fell off. Yeah, jeez. Didn't Halliburton get hurt for a bit? Did he? I don't. I don't pay attention. Magic though, it sucked. Obviously. Yeah. Wizards are pretty bad. Nah, they're not that bad. I mean, if the Pacers though got Halliburton and Wimby, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Nuts. That would be nuts. They still have 34 wins. I feel like if Portland got him, I would bet that he's going to end up being a bust probably due to injury because just look at Portland's history. Oh, for real. (laughs) Either not drafting guys or, you know, well, not. He's just not a drafting guy. Yeah. I've been twice. That's crazy. But is that it? Is that all we got for today? You want to talk about WWE? Uh... (laughs) I think you covered it enough. I think so. But we could. Just comment below. We'll let you watch the rest of WrestleMania. We'll get back to it next week. We'll get back to it next week. Exactly. That ain't so bad. But all right. Four games left. Kings in the... In, next time we'll be talking, the season will be over. Yeah. That's crazy. Be getting prepped for the playoffs. But four games left. Play New Orleans tonight on the road at 5 p.m. That's it. That's all they got. That's all she wrote. John, you got anything to wrap it up? Be interesting. I really think this New Orleans game will be really interesting. See how they respond from that San Antonio game. See how they do against a really, really good team. And see if they can continue that trend of playing really well on the road. But, yeah. It'll be nice to see what happens these last four. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. So, as always, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, have a good one.